It's time to discuss the final days of the regular season. And the in wait, what is it? And the impact it's going to have on us this offseason. Nailed it. It's time for Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Drew Rasmussen that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs, joined by Robbie Baseball from the Murder Room, as always. What's happening, Robbie? Oh, nothing. Just stumbling through openings yet yeah. again. Live, live openings, clutch. You know what? All all the times that we've done this, like that's really probably your worst effort. So that's, that's one of oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, just and unlucky the problem, number two hundred and fourteen. That's all. Yeah. The problem is that I was. It was such a short opening that I just couldn't do it. I needed a sentence, a long sentence. But anyway, um, that so aside, Ty, I I'm good. Um, I am you know absolutely looking forward to the final couple weeks regular season where i'm still alive for playoffs uh, but as we're going to talk about tonight the uh, fantasy implications for certain players that are looming large and and we know there's there's going to be a ton of talk this offseason it's already started about the changes uh, major league baseball is going to have for next year and like i think this is going to be the offseason it's going to be the offseason of the get ready for stolen bases year like i think that's all the talk is going to be about the potential for guys who could steal more bases next year because of all the you know the different things that are going to happen number of times you can throw it first all yeah all that crap i think it's just that's going to be the hype machine so before we get to that point we're kind of staking our claim into what we're looking at who types of players and given names of course um, for dynasty purposes of who we want to start looking at for targets and i got to be honest i feel like i went one way with the hitting and I completely flipped script for the pitching. So I haven't looked at your guys yet. I didn't want to. I want it to be fun and exciting. Um, but I did try to throw a few names that I knew you'd talked about. So I Hello. Is it me you're looking for? Absolutely. The post-hype heroes. Yeah, so. you know, you know they're gonna live there. <laughs> well let's find out but first before we get dive in i don't do we have anything else to say find us at twitter uh at dingers pod find you ty at tourney boss find myself at robbie baseball one uh always appreciate the questions that we get and you know you dm us we dm you back um that's how we like to roll helping people win so but uh, you got anything ty no i mean i i think uh we're gonna get into a fun episode today but before we do let's let's hit the the fun stuff a long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes 
in a bottle. What what the hell was that? That's Warriors. such a pretend. Oh, that's what you're doing. Play. <laughs> I just noticed on the back of mine. Um, so I've got, I'm doing crown float again. Cause that's, you know, that's what you do. Shocking. Yeah. I, it's really become like this. Is, I actually had crown floats last night too. Um, just, I don't know. I'm an alcoholic and uh, I thought, but this one's weird. So shiny apple cider. Uh, it's a caramel flavor. My wife bought this for me. 7% vegan and gluten-free. Like, of course it is. It's cider. But you know the world we live in, right? That you gotta promote. All the, I'm surprised this isn't artisanal. But anyway, on or the back organic. of the tie, uh, you know what? Well, I know why it's not organic because uh, then you have to use organic shiny. apples, and that's a, that's expensive. Yeah, shinyapplecider.com. That's the place. But there's oh, a scale. Well, ironically, when you put it up to the camera, we can. It was shiny. It, it was yeah, shiny. It, yeah, it was. Sorry, I was trying to show you that there's a scale for the dryness to sweetness factor as well as the um still to sparkling basically the carbonation and then the preferential the preferential way that they would like you to drink it um from ice cold which this is stated to be ice cold um all the way up to room temp and ice cold is typically what you want to have either ice wine at or um an absolutely disgusting beverage like a bush light or something like that uh because you need the coldness coors light right that's the one who does the frozen um, if I didn't know any better and you didn't live in the middle of nowhere, I'd call you a city snob after that discussion of your, your cider drink. Well, it, yeah, but see, that's the thing. It just makes me laugh that it's like, this is such a pompous looking cider. I bet it's going to be delicious though. And of course I'm backing it up with the, the Guinness. And, well, it's uh, fair to say that you're the biggest snob in your town though. Sure. Yeah. The 40 of us <laughs> <laughs> that live where I live, but there you go. You got the, the color. Boom. Uh, locked and loaded. I'm ready to Love go. It. What are you drinking? <laughs> um, I'm just really rolling on the train of getting rid of this non-corked bottle of bourbon, Old Forester. So I'm going to be like in, in oh, geez, that's the sweet. float zone until that's gone. Okay. But I do have some good backups ready to go, uh, including a new bottle that I've never tried before. Um, that will be probably next in the, uh, the queue here. But speaking of next in the queue, we're, we're talking 2023 targets, um, guys that I think are going to be good, and then guys that Rob's picking off of the recycling bin um, early oh. in the morning, waking up the neighborhood, searching for 10 cents. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's an American thing, actually. That might just be a Canadian thing. Um, well, update on my cider tie. Yeah, but not um, sorry. Not, not good. good. Update on the tie. I have to do it. So we're... It's not good with the Guinness. It's, uh, well, it's caramel, but it's not actual, right? It's like liquid caramel. You know, it's not, it's not actually anyway. Um, this might, this might suck much like you're saying my roster does. I'm not saying it does. I just, I like, I'm trying to give people a good vision of how you win. You do player valuation like two years early. And you find these guys that are just like, yeah, but they're just not good, but they're on the way to get more at bats. And through those at bats, they get better at baseball. And you, I've played with you long enough to know that it's fun to make fun of you now because I can. 
and then later I just am quiet about it because they've become relevant guys. <laughs> so yeah, certain rosters of mine end up like apexing with if I can hold on to some of these guys long enough. Like, but I then I described to you uh in a league in which I have yet to lose. Um my team was 20 and 0 going into the playoffs. I told you who my outfielders and infielders were. The only notable player that is like an active MLBer, <laughs> like an everyday guy is Alex Bregman, who I acquired at the trade deadline. But like this week in a playoff week, I'm starting as catcher Austin Nola. I've got Keston Hira as my first baseman. Um, Ramon Urias with Baltimore as a second baseman. Hassan Kim is my shortstop. Uh, my outfield is Jerkson Profar. Uh, who else? I say Al- Alex Call, who's someone we're going to talk about tonight. And um, some other bag of dinks that it's my other guy. It's, <laughs> it's so rough. It, and yet, and it's like, oh, how are you unbeaten? Well, let me just tell you who my pitchers are, right? Because I've been holding most of my pitchers since 2018. So that's how I got to where I am. You know, Otani factor included on that roster. Um, but that's kind of what I'm doing tonight, right? And we're talking about the rest of season. What is it that we're hoping they can show us? If if we honestly think that there is something they need to show us. Otherwise, it's just some players to note how it looks like they're going to finish this year. And maybe, you know, as, as we go through, we'll kind of go player to player here on who we're thinking um, what we're thinking maybe dynasty owners will be in the mind frame of as the off season hits off. So um, I don't know. Do you, do you think the best way to do this would be maybe you just tell us who, who your lineup is Ty, and we go through your lineup and then we go through mine or what, what do you think in here? Yeah, I, I still think by position and maybe we group our infield and outfield together and then have a little okay. bit of a discussion about it. So like, yeah, multi-eligible guys, right? So yeah, we'll get catchers going first here. I mean, it's the easy one to, to knock off the list. Uh, I mean, for me, a uh, guy that I've had my eye on for a couple of years, I've mentioned before, uh, but has kind of fallen back, right? There's a guy that was ready to go in 2020, had a, a real nice cup of coffee in the short, in the weird 2020 season, then was gone for all of last year, pretty much. Um, and has, has had minimal at bats uh, at pro level this year, but 21 home runs in the minors this season at AAA, 868 OPS uh, at a catcher position. The major league splits that he has are interesting, Rob. They they're skewed towards the right righty versus righty side, but yet his uh, versus left-handed reliever stats are high. So it's it's a really interesting kind of hmm. set of splits for him. Um, to me, it says he's going to eventually catch up on the lefties uh, and 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 make those adjustments at the at the pro level. But uh, it's Sam Huff, uh, a guy that you know was really well thought of a year and a half ago, and has really fallen off radars. Right, Texas has gotten better. Right. He was looked at as a guy that was going to be the centerpiece there. Right. Nate Lowe is a guy that we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, that's kind of filled the middle of that lineup that Sam Huff was maybe potentially going to be. So just a guy that I still think is the guy to catch in Texas long term. I know Jonah Himes had a good season, but I still think we're going to see a whole lot of Sam Huff next season. Um, and I, I'm going to get in on that. In worst case, maybe Texas trades him to upgrade that rotation. Oh, OK. Yeah. And that was the big hole we were talking about with Texas earlier in the off season and headed into the year was what are they going to do there? And then, yeah, uh, Heim kind of came up and took the job and was hot and was a very big fantasy darling for people. Um, on my end, I'm taking Cal Raleigh, who I mentioned in a previous podcast. Uh, last 30 days, I think it is for Cal Raleigh, what I've got punched in. Um, eight dingers, 14 runs, 15 RBIs, and an 853 OPS on the year including AAA, he's got 24 dingers. Um, when he went back to AAA, he was working 
not not a lot of time back there, but uh, working on being better at putting the ball in play at a 284 average uh, for the show. MLB average for the year is only 204. So you're not looking at him as a five, in a five by five format and saying we're good to go here. But in points, the improvement has been there, and since his his he's returned um, from the demotion, he's been a better player. And clearly somebody that Seattle's believing in, like they, they are giving those young guys time and succeeding with them, uh, struggling in the lineup or not. So Cal Raleigh, I think is just going to become ideally a 25 plus home run guy. OBP is going to be a big thing for him and OPS, which means points leagues are going to get the bump here over uh, standard five by five or whatever leagues you're in that are counting average. So I like that Cal Raleigh's kind of established himself now. It's a matter of becoming the number one, not just being a major league catcher because we can see how that can be a struggle. But even this year so far, Ty, with a demotion, 333 at-bats uh, with three plus, two plus weeks left, I guess, in the regular season. So we could see him north of 350. That's yep. great. Yeah, absolutely. And just really quick backpedal on to Jonah Heim. One of those aforementioned guys for you, that you were on two years ago for at bats and now has some production, right? Like, I don't know that you own a ton of them at this point, but you were on Jonaheim a long time ago. So just what well, was Pozo your- last year too, right? He came out of nowhere around this time with yeah. Texas and it was like, Oh, this is somebody, but then you find out the backstory. He was part of the whole uh, hazing stuff when they were having issues um, with, in the Dominican league with a bunch of guys with Texas. Uh, and, and then like the organization, you know, basically put him on waivers to get him off the 40 man, like DFA'd him and nobody claimed him. Pozo, this is. And mm-hmm. so that's when you're like really starting to wonder like what the hell's going on. And that's when, you know, the Jonah Himes of the world are like, hey, maybe that's a guy, <laughs> you know, maybe there's a path to playing time for this guy. So, and that's when you get into the organizations that have a Sam Huff, but you just don't think they're going to hand it over to him because... Yeah. Some organizations just don't, right? And some want to do two guys, like Seattle did for several years. I think if Depoto got his wish, Tom Murphy would still be splitting at bats and crushing bombs, but it just doesn't happen. You know, it hasn't happened for him in what four years in Seattle. So, anyway, that was a lot of catcher time. Well, we got I mean, it first base. Yeah, we. I, I'm going with the aforementioned uh, Nilo, right? It's a guy that you know I talked about last week. Uh, just really. Second half numbers are really good, Robbie. I don't know what the split was that you added into the stat line here. Um, what was the last month, last 30 well, days? Last, so, last 30 days, he's just killing it. La- last week, I mentioned what he's done since the all star break. Uh, Robbie updated the splits here in the last 30 days 410 batting average, eight ding dongs, uh, 16 runs, 21 RBIs, and an 1175 OPS. So, you know, this is. This is a guy that's absolutely turning into a star. Uh, again, mentioned this all last week, so this shouldn't be a surprise to the regular listeners. But this is a guy that I think, Rob, you know, I, th- I think I said last week that he was in the top three somewhere of opposite field hits in the in the major leagues. I, I still think a guy that has this much contact skill is still going to see an additional bump from the elimination of the uh, uh, the the shift, right? And and I'm going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, because I think there's some guys that we can target that can take advantage of some of that stuff. I know you talked about the stolen bases earlier, but for me as a fantasy player, like the impact of the shift has a far greater outcome runs average RBIs than a couple extra stolen bases. So that's really where I'm going to spend a lot of my offseason targeting guys is guys that fit that 
that mold. Um, and, and I think, although Nate Lowe is not a dead pole guy, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. I still think a guy with that kind of contact skill can start to turn on more balls um, and it might open him up to more home runs, which, you know, last week, last episode we recorded before the ban was actually announced officially. Um, and for me, that kind of changes the 30 home run opportunity to a guy with this kind of contact rate. It could be in that 40 range. Like it, it brings that into play. If you're opening up to make pull side mistakes, it might bring his batting average down, but it might help the the counting stats a little bit better. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we talked about the fact that, like I said, I, I need to look into Nate Lowe more um, because I just kind of passed him over as somebody who wasn't going to be impactful. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, to your point, like it could be, <laughs> this could be a long-term solution for people um, who might want to, make the investment this off season. So somebody that that's much more of a flyer, but you have to respect what he's done. Um, this year is Washington nationals, Joey Manessis. Uh, he is Mexican at 30 year old now with his first taste of the bigs, uh, in 2022. And he's just done well in 152 at bats, 322 average, 22 RBIs, eight home runs, uh, 10 doubles and 23 runs. And that, uh, does not count the 20 home runs he had at triple a and the 286 average he had, but OBP is great for him. 341 at triple a and 348 uh, in the show. So uh, again, I, I've got a couple guys like this because I look at the teams that are struggling and the teams that don't have depth and who can come in while the high school drafted guys and the young J two guys are working their way up. It's these kind of guys. And, and it's, you know, it's the, uh, Patrick Wisdoms, Frank Schwindels, and they don't all work out long term. You know, um, sometimes it can like Scooter Jeanette's another example of a guy who just came up, had a, a very short pocket of success, but had success. And you can get him on your dynasty rosters, depending on your format with your league. You could have just maybe picked him up in season. Um, other guys, you might have to wait till the offseason if you have an auction or whatever. Um, but they're worth a short term investment, a couple seasons. And if they don't work out, you, as long as you haven't overinvested, um, the payoff can be huge. You you would not want to pencil him as, as your starter for 2023. You want to see how he finishes this year, see what moves Washington's making in the off season and absolutely consider him as like a bench guy. If you're a 26 man bench, uh, 26 man team or 35 or 40, consider him in that final tier of yours, but keep an eye on him because if he's able to come in and be an opening day guy, get first base DH at bats, there's opportunity that Washington will let him go. And I'm going to say basically the same thing about one of their outfielders later on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, moving across the infield, who you got at second base, Riley? Second base for me is 2021 NL Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India. Reason being, uh, every category in your you know standard scoring has been down this year. Two stolen bases from, I think it was 12 last year. 10 home runs from, I think, 21 last year. 729 OPS is down, I think, 40 points. 257 average is down 20-ish points, I think, from where he was last year. Five boos is what I gave India. However, I think this is the floor. We talked about it before. There's a bounce back to come, but this is one of those times where you'll hear people talk about if you want him, now is when you can go and get him. There's been a well, down year for him. You go now. 
And there's and he's down like twenty and everything, including teammates. So I think that's uh, <laughs> MLB caliber teammates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? So I mean that also plays a role in what he could be next year. I I completely agree with that. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with a guy that I've been excited about for a while, and I think it is a guy that everyone else is gonna overlook because of the way he's crept up into the top tiers of the minors um, and in lacked power. Right? It just hasn't been there. Uh, and that's Jordan Groshans. Ironically, hit his first career home run today, so that's a fun thing. Yeah, uh, but this is a guy that's <laughs> going to hit, right? He's he's going to hit, um, whether he hits for power or not, whether he becomes Lyle Overbay, or <laughs> whether he becomes a guy that can actually clear the fence. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I I think the contact's going to be there. I do think he's going to move off shortstop. So if you're if you're owning him as a shortstop, I think that's a mistake. Uh, you're going to either own him as a second baseman, which is probably a short-term position. Uh, he's likely, for me, going to going to find himself at third or potentially in in the outfield at some point. Um, I just don't see him sticking at shortstop. Uh, go ahead, Robbie. Uh, this is a question for you, Ty. Lyle Overbay, because <laughs> you said it, had a 14-year career. How many 20-plus home run seasons did he have? Two. Correct. With one, and he had one 19 home run season. When you said it, I'm like, but didn't he have 20 with Toronto? And he did. He had it uh, the same year that I think six or seven Blue Jays did, including John Buck. That was like the last Cito Gaston year where he's yeah. like, I'm just putting guys in until they get to 20. But he like, was a double yay. machine. Like, I think he had 50, that's exactly right. Doubles in that, that season he, as well, right? He had 53 was his career high in 04, then 34, 46, 30, 32, 35, 37, uh, 21. Then he had dropped off and, you know, had a yeah. couple of crummy years. Yeah, well, but but I but I think that's, you know, a part of the game with with the split infield coming back, right? I, I think with, with that and speed, we're going to see guys like Groshans, guys that can hit, hit and run. Like, those guys are going to be interestingly valuable again. Um, you know, you're not going to have to hit 40 home runs to get to 120 RBIs right. with the shift back in, you know, out of, out of the game. Um, and you can have a, a 750 plus OPS as well, Ty. Sorry, just to help you yeah, out on that too. Yeah, absolutely. But like those guys don't need to hit home runs. Like I, there's an interview that's been floating around the internet. I don't know how old it is, but it's Dexter Fowler just talking about, um, you know, the analytics in the game and how cool it's valuable and great. The game's slower. There's guys that are in the pros that aren't good at baseball. Uh, they're right. just athletes and have a little bit of strength, right? They're hitting buck fifty with forty home runs, right? See, they Kyle fit a skill set that people yep. have decided is important. Correct, and so it, it makes the game less interesting. That was his point, but like guys like Groshans, you know, are going to be valuable in the game again here in the near future as people look for that next advantage. Contact, contact rate, and in hit tool is going to be that thing if you ask me Robbie I, I mean I love it I small ball is I, I, like take advantage of everything you possibly can that a team is going to allow you to do that's why the shift could have been useless if teams knew or if MLB players knew how to put a bunt down and yeah. instead of everybody trying to hit through it all of a sudden there was like dedicated professional baseball players figuring out how to bunt it down the third baseline yep. um, when the shift was on for him, you know, like just if that was good, if it just, if that was the mentality, then, you know, all the wackiness that, in, that ensued afterwards would have been for not because teams would have just been taking single singles all day long. And then it would have been like, well, do we want to try to 
you know, limit this guy to a single and make him bunt? Uh, because yeah. that's what every if that's what everybody did all of a sudden, or are we oh. going to see if you know Joey Gallo can hit through it? Like, what do we want to no, do here? I don't think there's any rule about this, and so I'm, I'm I would love to see somebody just have like little circle dots on the infield where it's like knee high grass, and you bunt it into the knee high grass, <laughs> and you can dig it out. Yeah, I mean that would be pretty entertaining. Two or three guys looking around in the grass pile for the ball. That's like a basketball kind of thing. They could have done <laughs> exactly. that for like that movie, basketball. They could have yeah. used that. So, just a well, giant that's cloud head going. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, who uh, do you have at shortstop, Ty? <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got Jeremy Pena. Very similar to to some of the reasoning you have on India, but for a very different reason. Like I, I think there's more upside there if you see kind of what he's done over the last couple of weeks. Like I picked him up in the home league after Tatis was banned um, as a guy that <laughs> needed to bail me out um, because I I was left with Glaber Torres. Who's getting you were less, waiting less. all year for this, uh, you know, elite guy to come back only to find out. Well, and uh, only to find out kind he's of banned. Guy. Yeah. Only to find out he's banned one day after the, the trade deadline, which was right. super handy. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, He's hitting two two fifty this year, six ninety OPS on the season, right? So when we get to this off season, like we're going to have people like, ah, oh, he was okay, right? Like, and, and to be fair, those numbers are okay. Um, however, like when you dig a little bit deeper and you watch the production, like there there's some things that he's he's done where he's dipped, but then come back. So in September, uh, his numbers are quite good, Rob. His his September numbers so far are he's in two seventy five. He's stealing some bases. Um, the OPS and power isn't right there, but the contacts there. And now keep in mind, this is a rookie that's finishing up his first full season, right? So unlike a lot of rookies where they get, you know, some sort of limited at bat total, like he's playing, you know, a near full season. He's at 500 at bats. Like he's going to be 550 in his rookie year. Like that's, that's a pretty good number for, for a rookie shortstop, right? So uh, I, I like what he can be and I'm buying him because I think he's going to be very affordable. Now, if you have an elite shortstop, you don't care. But if you're looking for a guy that's going to be very affordable and could jump into the upper tier, potentially, like the power's mm -hmm. here, right? Like the upside is for sure here. Whether he makes that leap next year or the year after, I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I like what he could be very quickly. And, and he seems to be a pro, right? Like he's not just a guy. Like he's a guy that exactly what we just talked about with the Fowler thing, guys that know how to play baseball, Pena is one of those guys for me. So a quick point of reference for Pena to your point of when people look in the off season, if the season ended today, he's the 39th ranked shortstop in the eight by eight home league format that counts runs, home runs, RBI, stolen bases, walks and strikeouts, which is not what a lot of your leagues are going to have um, as well as average and OPS. So he's ranked 39th. You know, who's 40th? Wander Franco. So <laughs> uh, it is confusing, but some names in front of him. And, and this is what's going to happen. I'm sure in five by five across the board, you got uh, Christopher Morrell, Jorge Mateo, uh, Luis Urias, Hassan Kim is above. And that's because of bulk playing time. I think um, uh, Jose Iglesias, uh, San Diego Espinal, uh, Gio Urshela, Kyle Farmer, uh, Brendan Rogers. He said, okay, here uh, Elvis Andrews, uh, IKF, uh, Brennan Donovan, uh, Theo Strada. Like there are some names here, Nico Horner that you don't want to be Josh Rojas is another one. And now we're getting closer to the top 10. Um, yeah. 
Well, and, and, and really, like, he's way outside, right? So, and a fun thing too, like his splits. And I, I love the splits, Robbie. You know how much I love splits. Um, left against left-handed pitching, he's hit two seventy. Like a gymnast. With, that's you right, man. Seven sixty-three uh, OPS this season against the lefties, right? So, funny enough, he has twelve of his seventeen home runs against righties. So when you put that story together with a more developed pro, I like the upside on the power side because he's hitting the same, same arm side and mm-hmm. he's, he's having power numbers against the other side. So they're just not leaving the yard. And that means he's probably hitting doubles to the apple gap. I don't have the spray chart uh, up, but my guess would be his doubles tend to be uh, to the right side or, or the apple field. Right. And, and that to me is a sign of a really good hitter. So uh, let's call a spade a spade left field home runs in Houston aren't the hardest thing in the world either, but um, you know, it's easy to pull the slider that backs up into the Crawford boxes. Right. So just something to, to add to that, but overall I like it. He's going to play because what he's good at defense too. So I think that, you know, for me is a pretty safe acquisition target. He's 24 turning 25. Uh, I, I like where, where he's going to be next year. Yeah. I think he lines up a lot with um, somebody I'd mentioned in Nico Horner before where, it's like they kind of came up quick, right? All of a sudden, Jeremy Pena went from just being like a guy who was in Houston's system to, oh, wow, they're not signing any shortstops. Is Jeremy Pena really going to start? And then there he is, opening day starter. Uh, it, it lines up that you would be able to see his dynasty stock available, not a locked-in guy because he doesn't have any of those great markers um that you want to see it's just like he's a starter and he wasn't overly impactful but as ty saying you know when healthy coming back um from injury uh long season right you know <laughs> and again houston's being is a good team so um that lines up another al west um third base or sorry shortstop third base i guess and that's why i put two guys here i i've got seattle's uh Eugenio suarez now he did play Shortstop, I think, very briefly this year, but he's uh, he's going to be third base next year, and he does have another year left in Seattle. He's going to end up probably at he's at thirty one dingers right now. Got a couple weeks left. I could easily see him hitting the thirty five marker, which will be the second time in his career he's hit that number, um, and it'll be second highest career year for him in that. He's also going to end up with a really high K rate, so probably the highest of his career and total strikeouts for sure. Um, it's a matter of your league format, whether he will be a really good sleeper this off season, cause he's only going to be seen as a power guy, but he jumped at this moment in time, about 50 points over last year's average looming in and around the 240 mark. Um, last year he was, I think finished at 189. And then the other guys has some Kim again, another guy coming back who we didn't know what he was going to do, carved out a role with San Diego waiting on Tatis to come back. And I think he's done enough this year with San Diego that they could potentially move him this offseason if they think they need to for whatever the reason is. If they don't see him as like a legitimate um, starter four days of the week, five days of the week next year, move him around a little bit or someone else is offering something that they need because they did. Again, they emptied out the system to um, make plays for Soto and the rest of that starting rotation that um, is I, I don't know. Would you say they're stumbling down the stretch? You know, every time I look at a San Diego starter, it hasn't looked great. Like you look at a Clevenger line, he's given up four runs, some bad's happened. Um, but you know, maybe they might need to move Kim in the off season, but I want to watch how he finishes this year and see exactly what we can bank on. Cause I think he's progressing, right? We, we saw that tie. You said it before. He was going to have a terrible rookie year and he did. 
we've seen that turnaround in points leagues. He's jumped up from like a 2.15 kind of points per game guy. Now he's comfortably in the 2.5, 2.6. You're league dependent. Uh, you're scoring league dependent, of course, for that. But that all of a sudden makes him a relevant guy. It doesn't make him an impact guy. He's got to have big days. Um, maybe if he had another team, he's still got three years left after this year on this five-year contract. I could see San Diego wanting to do something. And either guy for me, third base or shortstop uh, for Suarez, depending on your league settings for next year. But Hassan Kim, I think, is a shortstop, is also a really good low play guy and we're removed now it'll be two years removed from that high uh fantasy stock that he had as a rookie i think he'll be far more available this offseason than he was last year when everybody was just hoping like me hoping to see some big turnaround i think we saw a mild improvement and that's going to be enough to make people say okay he's not going to become this stud that we wanted yeah so just a couple really things to collect all that suarez free agent after 24 with a 25 oh, team up with a 25 oh, okay. team option. So he could Sweet. be there for a couple more years. Um, I think that's part of why when people look at that trade, you know, in the, in the hall that went back to Cincinnati, you know, it went for the money, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Seattle was eating some coin, which they can do. Um, I like Suarez as a guy, like uh, I've, I've owned yeah. him in a lot of leagues. Um, the power production is, is hard to find it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, at third base where there's, really a top tier. And if you miss on it, he's a great second option. House on Kim. I'm not touching with the 10 foot pole. Uh, you won't be able to tie. I'm going to have them everywhere. I'm going to have good. them everywhere. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> good. Because because it, it's, it's a guy that can't hit the ball in the upper half of the zone still. So until that is fixed, I don't want to own him. Like not in this era of baseball. Um, right. You know, it's just not, it's not good. The splitter era is coming back. So there's, there's a trajectory here for him that still could be valuable. It's not next year. It might be the year after. Um, but, you know, there there is starting to see more sinker splitters again, right? Like that is being reintroduced into the game where it was kind of fastball slider for the last five or six years here. So um, those guys are those guys. But uh, I, I, I like both as as targets. I just don't like House on Kim for me. Third base is one that um, I'm going to touch on a guy that you should know that, you, that should be unavailable. Uh, but I do think he's the best prospect no one's watching, and that's Josh Young uh, in Texas. Uh, this guy is an absolute stud, and if he didn't get hurt at the beginning of the year, he would have spent most of the season on the Rangers roster. Uh, but as a guy that has prodigious power, he's going to hit home runs. I'm not sure where the batting average is going to fall. He's he's done okay across the minors. I'd love to see him 275. I think that's kind of the ceiling at the pro level. But like it's gonna come with thirty to forty home runs. Like it's that kind of power bat. Uh, it's it's one of the better, if not the best, young third baseman bat uh, out there. And that's saying a lot because you've got some some pretty good guys. Jordan Walker's coming. Um, but uh, for me, the price tag for Jordan Walker is way too high right now. So as much as I like Jordan Walker, I'm buying Josh Young because he's significantly cheaper, and and that's why I'm flagging him is because I think there's an opportunity to buy him right now. Uh, and, I, and I don't think people are are realizing how good this guy is because of the injury. So uh, I just think it's kind of one of those times to to buy before the price goes up through the roof. Well, speaking about buying before the price goes up through the roof, let me tell you what old Robbie Baseball found in the bargain you, bin. You, you bought this guy before he came through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as he was released as a 
triple a free agent and signed with oakland i was all over dermis garcia yeah. everybody and, and if you go to robbiebaseball.com you can get the bar like the milb drop um mailing list uh yeah sent to you that's a that's essentially yeah once they're once a triple a free agent who i think has some upside uh signs with a weaker team rob I'm just like, goes to all minor league markets and orders uber until he finds a reliever uh that's driving <laughs> okay who's who, who's the hardest guy in batting practice to get uh strike by <laughs> anyway dermis garcia former yankee farmhand only 24 okay so that's this isn't a 30 year old like some of my other guys um garcia is a legit prospect still uh now up with oakland 55 at bats into his pro mlb career four dingers 13 rbis nine runs uh, seven walks, 26 Ks. You're going to flag that, aren't you guys? You're going to flag a 48% K rate. Come on. Um, but he did cut the K rate uh, at the time that I originally wrote my first comment down to 43% uh, from, sorry, from 43% to 37. It's back now to 39%. So um, you get the idea here. This is like a three true outcome type dude, but he's not walking enough. Uh the power dip from last year to this year is what's going to get some people that might have had him to say, oh, never mind. It's not going to come together. Last year, he had 31 uh, home runs in 385 at bats between what double A. I think, yeah, sorry, it was just double A. Had not played at triple A. Um, then he moved up. So the 210 average that he had in 21, he goes to triple A this year, 254 average between MLB and triple A. I'll take that. Like, that's not something that we normally see. We usually see uh, a hit to, the average, um, and they can still like provide power. Now he's still get hitting for power, uh, but he's not um, a two hundred average guy. This is somebody that that could be good. And here's my thing. All right, he was a first baseman, uh, third baseman guy. If he is not the opening day third baseman for Oakland next year, if he's moving around doing different things, I think like Vlad, maybe he's not as good at the position at third base. He could move over to become a first base DH type guy get to concentrate a little bit more, work on cutting that K rate. If he can cut it down into the mid thirties, like 37 or better, all of a sudden we're going to start to see a guy who can put up a ton of runs, RBIs and get those home runs that we want um, with the 250 plus average. I, I would be all over. That is found money right now in dynasty. And he's not going to get 130 plus at bats to become like a veteran. So depending on your league, um, settings for next year. If you have rookie drafts or prospect drafts, he will still be considered a rookie or a prospect, but he won't be available if you have first-year player drafts. So Dermis Garcia with Oakland first base, third base option. Um, I, I mean, I'm taking a bit of a shot here, but you got to take these um, in addition to drafting well and signing Wiley Vets. So I like it. Yeah, totally agree. Um, next on, on the list, we're moving to the outfield. So I'm going to cover all three of my guys. There's a bit of a story that I'm going to tell Robbie and I'm going to move us around on the screen. What's here the story if, morning glory? Well, and I want to see if I can actually share, uh, a screen here. Oh, okay. So for everybody who's listening to this, if you're at all interested that, um, Ty put thought into this, cause he did tell me about graphics. I think they're called, um, that he's got, you go to the YouTube page, which is, is it dingers or is it dingers podcast? Do you know, Ty? Uh, uh that's a great question that i don't so either go to dingers and if that doesn't come up go to dingers podcast um and we'll be right around minute 40 
and you can just check out the latest one and ty's pulling up um savant and he's going to yep. talk to me about spray charts so get ready everybody <laughs> so what go. i've got on the screen here is all he of the ground notes. Me. yeah the ground the ground notes for my 3-0 fielders the first guy i'm going to cover is michael conforto this is a guy that everyone knows right but again he's missed all of the year and is a guy that people have faded on over the last year and a half right a guy that has really fallen out of favor in a lot of uh camps he he spent the whole offseason and and robbie i want you really to draw your attention to the infield here um, okay. And you can just see what we're going to see as a pattern across the guys I have in the outfield. Left-handed bat um, is a guy that is going to hit the ball up the middle. He's going to hit the ball to the right side gap. Um, he he is going to expose teams next year when they're not allowed to put three guys around the middle and the right side of the infield, right? That okay. is where a lot of his ground balls are found. So there's going to be an obvious bounce back here just on this spray chart, right? Like if he did this exact profile, he's going to be 20 points better in his batting average. That's just the way that's going to go uh, because of that spray chart. It's a very heavy mix on the infield. So I like Conforto, the power upside's there. He's going to get out of New York. Um, I, I love him on a one-year deal somewhere like Cincinnati, the White Sox maybe. Uh, there's, there's a couple other teams that come to mind, but like, I'd love him in a small ballpark. Like Toronto is absolutely still an option. Um, they desperately well, I don't think it is an option, bat. but they desperately need a left-handed bat in the outfield. Um, I just think be... Conforto is not going to go to Toronto. I believe he is in the anti-vaxxer conversation. Possible. We don't know if I'm wrong. He's, he's not been moved onto the restricted list. So we'll, we won't well, know until then. I was going to um, say, you got to have a team Brooks Rayleigh, by the way, Ty, and I apologize for the interruption. Totally screwing me by four games in Toronto this week, being on the restricted list in September. Holy crap, the Tampa Bay Rays need you to play. And uh, man, this sucks, you know? <laughs> Darn, so, I needed him. So that's the first of three. Uh, I'm going to skip over my middle one for dramatic effect um, because because it's a, a bigger name. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but Kevin Bijou is a guy that you've heard me go on and on about, but he falls Gosh, into the that same looks category. similar to Conforto's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even more to the pull side, right? And if you and if you yeah. watch, if you watch the the games live, like the balls that Biggio hits really, really hard are right at the infield. Like they're not bouncers, they're line drives, right? He absolutely rips them at the right side. He hit one last night at uh your boy Choi. Um it was gonna go foul, but it was ripped down the line. Um, how is he my boy? Because it rhymed with Choi. Yeah. Um, okay. so I'm just basically Robert all right. That's fair. Yeah. If it uh, rhymes, yeah, it's good. <laughs> so, so basically this is a guy that just, again, very similar to Conforto, you know, there's a little bit of power here. The on-base skills are there. Like he's, he's hitting around 220 over the last couple months. Like if we can take that 220 to 250 with the walk numbers that we see out of Bijou, here's a guy that can really come on. So I'll leave him there. Cause I've talked about him enough this season. I still think there's a hitter here. I watch a lot more blue Jay games than you do. I'm telling you, this guy can hit. So um, that one, I'll leave there. The last one here, Robbie, is is you know not really a sleeper by any means, um, <laughs> but a guy. If you go back to 2019, Rob, and when I told you there was going to be a downturn for this guy, uh, it was just three years later than I expected, um, and that's Juan Soto, right? This is a guy that has been known for spraying the ball, but like look at look at these outs, Robbie. Like this is a really interesting spray chart. All of the outfield seems to be shifted towards left and left center. All of the infield ground balls are di directly across the right side of the infield and up the middle. Um, 
there's a really strange number of of balls uh between home and in the pitcher's mound like it's a really odd yeah. like it doesn't even make sense kind of of spray um uh, so I, it's it's I, like it's in the dirt and then bounces you know like you I, I don't know what those are but, yeah, yeah like little drip like swinging bunts uh but there's a lot of them um so it's very interesting but this is a guy that clearly is hit down on the ball rob and like if you remember that conversation i talked about that after his big breakout was like there is a, a crazy amount of ground balls to the right side and i think this is the first time it's really skewed because uh he's he's in a different lineup and maybe he's being pitched differently right uh, there's a hundred potential reasons why this is happening but um this was the thing i've always been scared of with juan soto so the reason i'm adding him to this list is i think for the very first time since 2019 there's there's some hesitation and there might be a hesitation in the soto owner so like it's just one of those opportunities when we talk about targets for next year like this is the probably the last time in soto's career that you're going to have a chance to acquire him at any amount of a discount it's not really a discount because it's juan soto but it's going to be a discount on the premium that you would have paid six months ago. So that's really what I'm flagging here, Robbie, but the spray speaks volumes, right? There's a very heavy concentration uh, of balls on the infield here. Um, and when that shift band comes in, I, I really like Juan Soto to, to challenge like the 350 number on the batting average. Like I, I really think that is going to be something he's capable of on the backside of these changes. Okay. I I'm all for that. You know, uh, I think Soto is, you know, Uber elite, you know, consensus oh. top, top three for me, um, regardless of format for offensive players. So yeah, that'd be great to see the, the Conforto. for me, it's all about where he signs. Like you said, you know, what, what can he muster up and what can he do after a year? Cause we saw Puig disappear. Um, I don't want to see that for Conforto. I want to see him play baseball, but he's also disappointed people year over year. So I think it'd be great if he signed early in the off season and then people just sort of forgot about him as the off season goes on. And, you know, everybody else is up in the air with where they're going to go. So your outfield is very veteran laden. Um, I'm on the other side of it. I've got uh, Alex call with Washington, Jake Fraley with Cincinnati and Michael Harris, the third with Atlanta. We did talk about Harris on the last episode where I said, you know, him versus Julio Rodriguez. I think there's a interesting conversation to have for that. So if you want that info and you didn't listen to the last one, go back and listen to that. Um, anyway, for Alex call, this is a guy who was with Cleveland when the season started, but he was at AAA. He was cast off from the team, but look what Cleveland did in one season with their promotions. Steven Kwan started the year with the team still there rookie of the year i think or rookie of the year candidate um you've got gonzalez you've got will benson and you've got palacios four guys that have all come up and had time with cleveland and this is the first year that cleveland's done something like this where they've just like played guys now miles straw who they acquired and gave an extension to has not yet worked out but they were making good decisions with some of the other things uh, with other, some of the other guys, but also letting guys like call go. He's 27 years old. Um, he was had a 15-15 season in 2021 at AAA, a 264 average, but a 14.6% walk rate. Now his K rate was lower at 16, sorry, was just higher at 16.5, but this year it's been right around the same thing, 50-50. Now he's in Washington. He's adjusting to MLB pitching, but this guy could be an absolute OBP machine. And um, the time he is earning for himself rest of the season, 
hopefully is going to buy time to let him become an MLB while the guys coming back from that Soto trade, meaning uh, what is Robert Hassel the third and uh, Wood are getting reps in the minors. So I see yeah. Call having a window to do it. Now, Jake Fraley, I was excited about when he got traded to Cincinnati because the park and all those things that are supposed to make a hitter that goes to Cincinnati better. But he got hurt. Now he's back. And hopefully by the end of this year, he'll have an under the radar stat line, but still a good September and a good way to finish. If you've been with us a year plus, you know that last offseason I was talking about Akil Badu's stat line being just good enough that the average fantasy guy is going to ignore how close he was to good cusp numbers and that we should have seen good things from him this year. Well, I don't know what in the hell Badu was doing this offseason, but he regressed terribly. Um, Jake Fraley has the ability to take walks. Jake Fraley has the ability to put the ball in play, and I think he has, at this moment in time, an everyday role in 2023 if he's still with the Reds. And I would really like to see the rest of the season with him prove that he can do that for them next year. Um, and then, like I said about Michael Harris, just just go back and listen to the last one on those guys. But for me, call again, just like Dermis Garcia is free money. Jake Fraley falls under that like uh, veteran who doesn't actually have full seasons, but there's enough of a track record that you can look at to see how he could be good if given opportunity. And then again, like this is like a fifth outfielder in a four outfielder league, you know, like you don't want to bank on them to start, but you, I think you will definitely benefit from having them. So, um, that's, that's the lineup for both of us. I mean, we are, we are not winning a lot of awards for pretty here, but that's the whole point in trying to be, uh, being focused in on some of these guys. Of course, you know, we, we have picked some studs, you know, with Soto, Michael Harris amongst them in the outfield, but, um, it's giving dynasty guys something to think about. I think so. Ty, do you want to do the same thing with the rotation? You list off year three and go through them and I'll do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys are, uh, greatest hits here, but you know, at the same time, um, guys that are, are obvious opportunities. And so, uh, those guys for me, Shane Baz is, is a guy I'm extremely high on have been, uh, again, very similar to, to my outfield, like a guy that, is going to fall back on a lot of people's lists because of the injury, right? Time to get a pitcher with an arm injury, there's going to be some regression um, and, and then the bounce back, right? So a little bit spoiled, we're not going to see him at the end of the year, but I think this is just Tampa saying, listen, uh, we're not going to risk the long term of this kid. I think deep down they know they're not good enough to make a real run this year, um, even though they can, they can still hurt some people. I, I just think they're being very realistic this year. It's very mature of the Rays. Uh, they make a lot of really good decisions that way uh where some other teams try to fool themselves into thinking they're good enough to win um i i think that's a good smart move uh, that's not many very much sorry Ted, it, i think ahead. it's very much like how nhl teams that are doing well and come up to the trade deadline like i think we can get into the playoffs do you want to double down to like really go for it or do you want to see what our roster can do and the rays are like well, let's see what our roster can do you know, well, let's not the, sell the future today. We're close. We'll be better next year. Let's see what we can do. I feel like that's what they're doing, which is a smart play. That's like I'm I agree with you. I think they're making the right move by saying, let's see what we can do with what we have here before we go and like do like they did last year. Right. Acquiring Nelson Cruz and like before they fill up a lineup, let's just see what we've got. It might be good enough. And then once we're in the dance, you know, if Drew Rasmussen doesn't throw out his worst start in two months again the next time. Um, 
maybe they could do some damage. In yeah, October. and I mean, if Glasnow somehow recovers to to be relevant in the playoffs, like, yep. maybe they're good enough. But at the same time, you know, rushing a young arm back and potentially derailing a very promising career is not not something the Rays need to do because they're flush in pitching. So now, if this was a a, a power bat, you, you're damn right that that guy's going to be in the lineup because right. they don't got a lot of that. Um, Isaac Paredes might not be your playoff <laughs> del- deliverer of Esau. It's Esau uh, Paredes. He did knock so. one out off Gosman today. So uh, Gos- Gosman did Esau today too. <laughs> um, but, but the uh, the next guy on my list, Matt Manning, who I kind of chipped out a little bit earlier. This is a guy, Robbie, I flagged for you with with a bit of a delivery change um, in Double A. I really moved him up my my list. Uh, I think people are starting to wake up to Matt Manning. Um, if you're a longtime listener, you probably are borderline angry at me because his early uh, outings weren't as good as I claimed him to be. But I think if you held on to him and trusted me. Um, you'll see that benefit now. But anyone that's a new listener, Matt Manning's a guy you're going to want to have. Uh, he's not the top household name. Everybody fell in love with Tariq Skubal, um, and, and then they found out that he's a bad guy or whatever happened with him. Um, well, everyone was quick to to immediately cast aside Mize for Manning, almost as if like the one one in the draft, like you know, just that wasn't a good pick for Detroit. You know, he's just going to be SP5. Like, everyone wanted to sack him and go for Manning. And then exactly what you just said, Scooble had a huge year at AA, and they're like, wait a second. Yep. Scooble's the guy. Okay, you know, it's Tariq Scooble. And you know who it really is, Ty? It's Drew Joey Wentz. <laughs> Drew Hutchinson. <laughs> Joey Wentz is actually having a nice finish to the year, by the way, uh, on a completely different note. I'm surprised he's not on your list. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I almost put a different uh, Tiger, but he's no longer starting, and I think it's more related to innings. Um, but somebody that I, I went through a list of guys that we were talking about in May at AAA who are doing really well, uh, and I want to do that once we hit the offseason, just so that the listeners get an idea of like guys we're talking about in April and May what they end up doing by the end of the year. Cause I, I hit a list and I forget if there were 12 or 13 names on them. 11 of them have all done positive things in the show. Yeah. So it was kind of Definitely. interesting. And the, and the last guy for me, we're going to stick with Detroit. Um, it, it is the one, one Casey Mize. This is a guy that I'm targeting because he, he 100% has upside and he is absolutely a member of. Hello. It's me. The arm talent's clearly here, and as I said before, the splitter world is coming back into the pros. Casey Mize is going to be one of those guys, has a great splitter. Um, the fastball control is always going to be the thing that sets him up, uh, and, and a lot of splitter guys struggle with the control early on. No surprise here. Buy low on Casey Mize. Like, he's going to be very, very affordable. He's been a disappointment up until now, and for, for a potential SP1, SP2 kind of guy, he's going to be about as cheap as you're going to find uh, it with that kind of upside. So uh, will he ever achieve that? Maybe but like he's a guy with a high floor. So I, I like him to be a cheap buy regardless, but he's probably cheaper than Matt Manning. He's probably cheaper than Scoople, Uh And he's probably cheaper. Well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say he's probably cheaper than anybody on Rob's list, but <laughs> uh, oh, that's probably hey. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are my three guys, a lot of upside arm, but you can see, you know, the risk is there, right? Like, and, and, and these are buying 
on uh, recoils here on all three of my guys. Manning's the furthest uh, into the recovery. Uh, the other two still have a little bit of ways to go, but I'm buying on all those guys because I think the upside is is elite for all three of them. Well, I, I will say to your to your list of of guys, all acquirable if you have a Daniel Espino. If you have, you know, you don't need the Grayson Rodriguez, but I would say like if if you're saying Rod, or, well, I guess I'm I'm doing it. I'm saying Rodriguez is like next man up, you know, the next ace type guy. Well, Daniel Espino is the MLB.com's hyped, not hyped, whatever, but highly ranked prospect. You get one of those highly ranked guys. If you want to flip them for someone who's going to start every fifth day next year, that can happen if one of those guys is somebody that Ty just said on, off his list. I think you can do that, and maybe you can whittle your way down on that overall prospect depth chart, but I think that's like a one-for-one potential deal and i mean we talk about it a lot you cannot win in dynasty if you have the best prospects you have to have an mlb lineup an active healthy deep mlb lineup of guys and if you have to give up a legit kind of written in prospect to get one of those three guys i think that's a worthwhile move now manning to me is going to be um dynasty owner to owner value will will drastically you know spike because some guys are going to be like, I've been waiting for him. You know, I've been waiting for this. And he sat on my bench or sat in my minors or whatever all year. So if you want him, you got to pay for him. But I think, you know, Mize will be somebody who, if you've got the right type of package, you could probably get him um, without feeling I, like you just sold out. I don't even think you need a Spino. Like, if I'm honest, like, I, I don't think his cost is going to be that high. Like, I yeah. think you can go with... A tear down. He knows he's not it, pitched enough. That's why I'm putting his name up. He's ranked high, it, but he hasn't pitched in 20. It very much depends on your league, right? Like if you're in deeper leagues, like we are, like I think Espino is an overvalue uh, in in what's required to do that. Like, but at the same time, like if you're if you're in a league with a bunch of Guardians fans, then guess what? You're probably not getting Espino. Um, right. Just is what it is. So yeah, it's format driven. Uh, <clears throat> talk to me about your pitching, Robbie, and introduce okay. me to some of them for the first time. Oh, come on. The, uh, you know who these guys are. James. This is Tyler literally was... my crap list, though. Like These are guys that yeah. like, are like, never, ever going to be on my roster. So hear, hear me out, Dynasty guys out there. Jamison Tyon with the Yankees, all right? He's healthy. He's a perfect fit as a depth guy on your roster because of that middle to upper tier production you're going to get from him. That's Jamison Tyon. You want to see what he's done last year to this year? You're going to be, you know, wondering. But the thing is that he gets on stretches where he's the guy you need or you get injuries. And instead of needing to go make a trade from your depth, you can look at him for this offseason and just get him in as like your if depending on how many spots you are willing, you know, points league versus head to head or roto. If you need X number of pitchers and it's, you know, six or greater, he's in your top six. That's you don't want to put him two three. That's dangerous. But you have them as anywhere from four to six. And if you start eight guys or you can have eight starters, absolutely you want to target them. Because if you start getting injuries and it's not to him, then he's just going to plug away for you. Middle of the road, not lose your weeks, keep you involved. If it's Roto, he's plugging away for you. And then you can pick and choose your times of the year when you're starting him. If he gets hot, uh, if something's going on. And the same story could have been said of Sonny Gray, but no longer. I would say you just pick up Sonny Gray, because come next year, he's going to be old, forgotten uh, at the moment, small market team with the twins. 
117 innings pitched this year, 116 Ks. Last year, I think it was 135 innings. He had 159 Ks. I don't remember that exactly. When I was doing the research on this, I was looking at it. It was really nice. Uh, 291 ERA and nine quality starts this year. Now he's missed time, right? 117 innings is not quality, but an eight and four record is again, it's that four to sixth guy on your team, on your dynasty squad that is going to win. Now, if you're a rebuilding team, it doesn't mean you don't get Sonny Gray. You go get him, you go get Tyon and their starters for you. And what happens is as the year goes on, some of the teams that are in the upper echelon of your league, when Tyon and Gray are doing well, are going to start to talk to you. Hey, um, blah, 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 looking for that guy. Cause they're now going to look for that fourth to six guy, which will be tie on Sonny gray could, you know, maybe be a, th a third, you know, SP three for you, depending on what he's doing and you can get value back for them, or you can just hold them for your own roster. And the last guy, and this is like crap shoot city here and not crap tie crap shoot. Okay. It's a, it's a sentence. Um, Ryan Feltner with Colorado. 75 innings pitched this year, uh, two and eight record, 68 Ks, and a 612 ERA with three quality starts. I, I don't want you guys saying, Whoa, Rob, hey, thanks for the great pickup on Feltner. You know, we, we could have seen that he's terrible before. I would like to remind everyone of Lucas Giolito's 2017, I think. Um, super similar learning how to be an MLB pitcher. The problem Feltner's got and the reason why he's going to be easy to acquire, he's in Colorado. Uh, he had a very good 51 innings at AAA for K to walk, or sorry, K to um, K per nine, 51 innings pitch, 60 Ks. Colorado's 2018 fourth round pick. He also missed, I think, a full year recovering. I can't remember. It wasn't thoracic outlet. I don't know if he was Tommy John or some other um, injury. But because of that, he's kind of like fallen off the radar and he's, he's outside. He wasn't a top 100 pick in the draft. So Feltner is a guy who will not be a rookie come next year. He had, I think 6.1 innings last year with like a 10 something ERA. He just looks like he's a miss, but that's Colorado pitchers. You know, everybody gets excited in the off season. I'm looking at Feltner as possibly like, uh, John gray. When he was a Rocky type thing, you can put it together. You can get the quality starts. You can get more, time uh colorado's going to give you that rope next year so see what feltner does rest of season see how his last 30 days look when the season's over and then make a judgment call but he again on your roster if we're talking about potential of eight starters he would be one of those six to eight guys and that's right. where you're looking to put him in and then you find out does he pitch well in colorado how you know what types of lineups does he do well against and where is he blowing up? If it's consistently bad, like Matt Manning was in 2019, is that right? No, 2020, whenever it was that Manning came in and was like consistently bad. Well, then yeah, okay, Feltner's gonna be a miss. I don't think that's the that's the scenario we're gonna run into here. I think Feltner's gonna be okay. It's the Colorado pitcher. They're always you can always get a Colorado pitcher, always, always, always. And he wasn't a first round pick, so it's not like he's got some crazy clout to him. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're taking a chance here, but I, I think if you were to get Sonny Gray, Jameson Tyon and Ryan Feltner all this off season, I would hope you would have a Sandy Alcantara as well. I would hope yeah. you would have something high end for yourself, um, because this is going to be tough to put together, but the bigger your league, if you're talking 30 team leagues, 24 team leagues, these are all going to be legitimate assets for you, um, come 2023. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the risk reward. I really don't. 
Uh, I just don't like the three pitchers. Um, yeah, in, yeah. In my my mind, but you know, these are guys win that, ugly, win ugly. Well, like I mean, Tyon for me has has some upside, but there's inconsistency. Sonny Gray um, has had stellar seasons, but year to year, I just can't put my finger on it. Like he the, always the does r- a couple categories that are really good, though, Ty. Like he genuinely, He's, like even when he was like weird in sixteen, seventeen, like doing that transition from ace to traded to the Yankees and then fumbling, he still had K's, you know, he still had quality yep. starts. And then in Cincinnati, it was the same thing. Like it's a roller coaster. So you, I, I guess I would make him a better points league pitcher. If we're just saying like, what's the best format? Sonny Gray is going to be a points league guy. But I mean, when he dials it in and that ERA sub three, holy Hannah. Yeah, no. And, and it's definitely something I don't necessarily have have an issue with the risk. It's just one of those things that I'm I'm not touching myself. So um, relievers, I hope you're not uh, touching yourself. <laughs> We're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bazinga, man! Project. I wish. <laughs> hands up, guys! Guys, we also need to put his hands up. That's uh, more telling than anything. You had to work sound effects quickly. Oh man. Oh hello. Uh, I don't know if that's the one you were going nope, for. That but... did not work. <laughs> <laughs> Just got weird up in here. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> bullpen is uh, is definitely where uh, I I have some guys that I've been on for a while. Yeah, uh, I'll start your with horn. my boy. Yep. No, Pete Fairbanks is a guy that obviously has upside. He's been filthy. Um, added a little bit to the repertoire this year since he's come back from injury. Uh, he's been really, really, really good since he's been activated. The Rays have been using him really odd, like just sparingly, not in like the full year of back end guy. I, I think they're just kind of rep, you know, managing his innings, knowing there's a playoff run where he's going to be really vital to closing out some games. Um, but Pete Fairbanks is just, he's a mean, nasty closer. And I, and I, he's my kind of closer. Like he's a big bully. And, and I just, I love the energy. So um, I'll send that out there um for that one the second one i have is is a guy that has really started to blossom um in andres munoz a guy i flagged as a big part of the austin nola trade <laughs> yeah baby uh, that's what it day. is it's the austin nola <laughs> trade i mean it was the seattle taking assets from san diego trade but at the time it was austin nola's now an mlb um player and this is great and i mean i I wish austin nola could just be healthy so we could actually see what he truly is i mean he would i think he recently um celebrated his first or second kid he was on the paternity list a week or two ago so um not the listens but congrats san diego in that trade i don't even remember um relief it was a relief pitcher of some sort but but seattle got four dudes i think yeah like highway robbery because like, Ty France Ty was, I believe, yeah. in that Munoz. Um, oh man, it was a different deal with Houston. Who is that catcher guy? The the other catcher guy that's like plays other positions too. That is Austin Nola. No, 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 no. On Seattle, uh, left. Like I think he's a switch hitter. Uh, shoot. Oh, he pl- <sighs> plays second base a little bit too. Anyway, no. point is, is that Seattle yeah. won that trade. I think it's fair to say that. Um, I think that goes without saying. There's, there's an obvious guy that went to San Diego that we're not thinking about. I'll um, look it up in a second. I wanted to, ha- I wanted to tack onto your point. Then the last month, 
Pete Fairbanks, um, just to show you how quickly I can look up stats when I haven't got them in front of me. You're already on to the next guy. Uh, 16 Ks and 11 innings pitch over the last 30 days. Eight save holds. I believe I believe six of those are saves yeah. in the save hold category. I was trying to find the most um, inclusive thing. I will look up the Austin Nola blockbuster now. Yeah, and, and while you do, um, Munoz just over the last 30 days uh, has, has pitched 10 innings, so not overwhelmingly large number um but the whip probably what do you think his whip is in that window 30 days just a guess nola no uh munoz munoz um i don't know one wasn't walks his issue 0.67 oh wow so yeah Yeah, he's turning a corner and and when you throw the gas that he does and now all of a sudden you can locate it like the guy's filthy. So, like, he is the closer in Seattle long term. Uh, this is a guy that they acquired to be the closer. So, uh, just if you haven't seen him or heard of him, then you don't listen to us enough. But if you you think you can get him in any format, go buy him all the time. He is an absolute buy everywhere across the board. And I, I know, Robbie, you agree. So, I just think yeah. it's, in, it's important. I, I do. I, I think that the fun of Seattle is that you have Paul Sewell there now who's getting saves, um, but I don't think he's the long-term answer. I think it's Munoz, and I think uh, Jerry DePoto... But Sewell's who, a great setup guy. Like he's Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Setup guy. I, I am not taking anything away from him. I'm saying if you are a dynasty mind and you know uh, Jerry DePoto as intimately as I do, I said that wrong, um, <laughs> Munoz is the guy, and DePoto takes the guys that he's going to go with long-term and gives them the run. So he'll tell the manager, we want him in, you know, leverage, you sort out what the leverage is, right? So it's not yet closing, but Paul Seawald could easily become the eighth inning or the high leverage guy who comes out first. And Munoz becomes the guy who gets the, um, you know, trumpet song playing when he runs out uh, to go murder lineup. Then three thousand dollars would you pay for Jerry Depoto's digits? To have his phone number? Yeah. I might trade my old Fargo truck to get that. <laughs> like he'd have to reply though. I can't just get the number. He'd have no, to talk exactly. to me. Yeah, you you are you are basically doing one of those like we have uh, a text phone. chain. Yeah, no, it's like one of those the, the games that are the fundraisers where you call in and you bid silent auction. You get oh, Jay okay, so I'm like number. I bid my 1954 Fargo truck with, with <laughs> Sir, the we 318. Credit. Yeah. <laughs> We're only looking for money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. My truck's worth I don't know 6,500, 7,500 to the right buyer. I don't yeah. know. Who do you think we are? The Oakland A's? transmission. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't run right now. I'm looking for some brake drums. Is, is that the truck, though, that Brad Pitt drove uh, and then turned around in in Moneyball? No, that oh, geez, what was that one? That is was that a like Bronco? a. I think it's a Bronco. No, no, no. Bronco's not a truck, you fool. Um, oh, it's an actual that, truck. Bronco's an SUV, uh, but but it, what he drove around in was like it looked almost like a Toyota um truck or so I'd have to watch it again. You know what? I will. I'll watch it again. Um, I've got the <laughs> Mariners send Austin Nola to Padres in seven player trade uh, from August 31st, 2020. I can't believe these names coming back. This does not sound right. So Austin Nola goes to San Diego with a ton of control left, four years left at this point in time. Okay. Four plus years of Austin Nola 
and the relief pitcher that went from Seattle was Dan Altavilla. They got Taylor Trammell, who I totally forgotten about the fact he was in that trade. Ty France, uh, Andres Munoz, and the catcher position player that Ty was talking about, Luis Torres. Holy smokes. What a useful yeah. trade for Seattle. Probably robbery. Like Austin Nola still has the ability to help you, but you are already bringing other players. You've also got Luis Camposano and, um, oh my goodness, who's the catcher they got from the Marlins? Who oh. They've been throwing all around. He's had spatters of decentness for big league guys, but not I, for anybody. I own him in my rebuild oh, team, and I can't see him right now. Yeah. So, well, that goes to show how impactful he has been. Um, but anyway, that's a that is a big deal. So, um, both of your guys, Ty, are guys that you were looking at before the season started. You were hoping they would both be the closers. Um, it looks like Fairbanks is now, and it looks like Munoz is poised to do it in the future. The trick is to have people in the leagues you are playing in not think the same way that we are discussing right now and that's exactly where i am on my two guys however my two guys have different stories than yours jose alvarado with philadelphia and matt bush with milwaukee it, it sounds so stupid both guys have 18 save holds on the year both guys in the last 30 days have uh got seven apiece yeah so with alvarado it's been saves with bush it's been a, a little bit of both. I think he's two saves and five save holds. But the thing here is that the value for dynasty owners has long passed for Alvarado. Everyone is done with him. Um, so you need to be kind of save hold league specific or points, I guess points league would, would be fine too, but you've got to see what Philly does in the offseason. Right? I think David Robertson just got his 20th save the other night for Philly, that's their guy, right? But Alvarado is the guy who they need to go in when there's a runner on second, and they don't want that guy to move. That's when they yeah. send an Alvarado to go and get well, a strikeout. And and Sir Anthony Dominguez is really the lot, the back guy for the future, right? Like he he is the back guy in Philly. Um, Alvarado has back end stuff. He just can only control it like four percent of the time. So and him being know. a lefty becomes like a disadvantage for whatever yeah. reason to him. You know, well, it's because there's more righties. So the, the instead of the, the sinker, well, no, but yeah, instead of being is, able so to throw to the, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, he can't control it cause it, it flies away arm side. And so if it's not starting middle, which because it has so much tail, it's actually a huge disadvantage. If, if the splits were uh, heavy on the left-handed side, as opposed to the right-handed side, he'd be a very effective guy. Like his left-handed numbers. I, I don't even need to look at the splits, but I bet you they're dynamite against lefties. I, I would agree. So those are two guys that I'm looking at to see um, kind of what their offseason path is going to be. That's a big thing for me, too. Um, Matt Bush, I believe, is going to be a free agent. I don't see why Texas would have dealt him otherwise. Um, but it does certainly look like Devin Williams has going to, you know, locking it down for Milwaukee. Uh, but it's very much like Brad Boxberger. Boxberger, if you're in a save hold league, my goodness, Brad Boxberger is useful to you. So Matt Bush can be the same thing. And if he goes back with Milwaukee or finds a new home uh, for 2023, the same kind of high leverage save hold position could be there. I mean, I started this year off in a couple of, of money leagues, not drafting legit closers and waiting it out. Clay Holmes being one of them. And, you know, now I've got several uh, Seawalds, another one. Now I've got several guys with 20 plus saves and a position that I thought was going to be a weakness and that may have been dropping me back in April is now putting me, 
not necessarily ahead, but moving me forward, especially in some of the Roto leagues where I thought it was going to be a struggle. Um, I'm, I'm making up ground and it's looking at guys now seeing how they're finishing. Like I did with Clay Holmes, Brooks Raley, and then find out what they do in the off season. You can then, you know, impress upon your league next year, your alternate strategy. Let me ask you this. Do you have a, do you have a lever that is your Clay Holmes for next year at this point? Like I have, I have started to, well, I've started to put some names together, Ty, and I don't have anyone yet that is like fit that mold because last year I had the advantage of just doing it in like a, you know, January, February, looking at all the numbers and checking everything out and then diving in. But so what I've done this year is I've started to keep track of guys for the last 60 days, which is basically a pre-trade deadline. And by the time the season's over, I'm going to be looking at from the trade deadline forward to see. Uh, who it is that can stand out. And I mean, Fairbanks was absolutely on the list. The problem is that Fairbanks was a known commodity uh, in Dynasty beforehand. Uh, So yeah, like I will find those guys, but that has led me previously to, you know, when we get the Rule 5 draft coming in back, you know, sorry, when we get the Rule 5 draft coming back to us this offseason, we're going to find new guys because Tyler Wells was on that list for me last year too, right? It was Wells, Rayleigh, and Holmes were my big three and Tyler Wells with Baltimore has ended up as a starting pitcher. He's now back healthy and pitching. Um, Holmes has been collecting saves with the Yankees exceeded expectations. Yes. He had a rough strip then went on the IL and now he's back and doing the same thing he was beforehand. And then Brooks Raley, who look at the numbers. Holy yeah. crap. What a value Brooks Raley has been. Again, you need to have the element of holds in your leagues. If you're just playing straight five by five, um, uh, he is not hurting you. He's got a few saves, but it's been far in between. He got the first save for Tampa this year, and then he picks up the odd one. But again, he wasn't in Toronto for four games uh, earlier this week. So I'm uh, he'll be playing this weekend. For sure, he'll be pitching this weekend. I'm going to throw an early one into the hat as a guy that uh, fits the Clay, Clay Holmes mold. 295 ERA in the second half this year. Uh, 0.98, 21 innings. Mm-hmm. Um 19 strikeouts. So I think the strikeout numbers could increase just a little bit. Let Jason me guess Foley. the player. Oh, damn it. Okay. You wouldn't have got it. <laughs> Jason Foley of the Tigers. That was off your list. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. I just it, wanted to see if I could guess it, but that's okay. Who, would, who would you have guessed it. just for fun? Well, I was going to say ALNL, and I was going to see where you went with it. So, But we can make that a different episode. We yeah. can definitely do that. So one last one, and it's a good spot to leave it because it'll be one that you'll get a little bit of an eye roll, but it's a fun question. Where do you stand on Jared Kalenic entering next season? Oh, no, thank you. So I thought that's what you would say, and I'm going to hit yep. you with some data here. 41% strikeout rate of the pros this year. He's he's struck out at the clip of 23% in AAA since being demoted, and his walk he's a 2-1K to K to walk right now. So that upside could be a sneaky guy, could be a guy the Mariners use to trade now that they've got outfield clutter. Right, yep. could be a guy that like could become extremely valuable uh, in the off season if you get him before he's traded. So, just a guy I, I'm I'm still very intrigued by. Plays good defense. Um, the power is is there. So, getting him out of Seattle might be what needs to happen, given the contract stuff that happened there. There's a lot of bad blood probably there in that organization for him. So, oh, a change sure. of and it, could, could be I interesting, mean, but the maturing's happening. Do you do you think Ty that um, Jared Kelnick has a leg to stand on with the comments that he made prior to, was it the 2021 season? 
Yeah, prior to the 2021 season when he did not start with the club, but he was just getting hyped up. And Depoto's like, yeah, we are not ready to see him yet. And then he came up and was not good and struggled. And then we've now, you know, we've now since seen Julio Rodriguez get a 200 plus million dollar extension, proving that Seattle will pay a performer. But imagine if that was Jared Kelnick that had got that, like how Depoto would be losing his job. Right. And that's the difference. And that's why it's hard to blame a manager or to to be a player and say, I'm not getting to play because of this. And then you come up and lay egg after egg after egg when you get your chances. I think the organization doesn't need to like you. Um, And I will say this. I think that Jared Kelnick and Keston Hira, which I know will make you cry a little bit, um, which is why I'm saying it, are very similar. The difference is that Keston Hira is able to um, has been able to rally back a little bit here. And it, again, the last two weeks are going to be important for Hira. Uh, not on my list, but somebody that you're going to want to follow this the rest of the season and then postseason for Milwaukee. See what kind of a role they carve out for him because he might be able to get more at bats as his career goes on. Not as 2023 goes on, but as his career goes on, as he finds a new role instead of being like a 580 at bat guy. Could he be a, a pretty solid power bat at 400 at bats? Uh, Jared Kelnick is obviously years younger, um, yeah. but we have to see that success. I mean, Seattle is, is like you said, is absolutely crowded. Hanniger, I think, is done after this year, um, but you still have Taylor Trammell. You've got Kyle Lewis at triple A. Yeah. Like, oh man, like things are just. I it, the other day, and I was like, I knew that was going to hurt you. Well, he didn't even want to go back. I don't like he got he got uh, sent back, and I think he had a period of time to. I, I don't know if it, like if you can just you can't decline a demotion like you're sent there if you have options, but there was like a period where he didn't report like a day or two or something like that, and then he did and he did well, and so anyway, um, Seattle's got some issues in the outfield, and I think a Kyle Lewis trade is just as likely as a Kelnick trade, possibly more likely because I'm sure there's less control. So. Um, but I think we'll it's see. more likely because of the left-handed bat in Kalenic. Um, the right-handed bat is a little more expensive or dispensable. So I, I I think it's going to come down to a culture thing, though, right? At the end of the day, do we want to move Kalenic knowing what's underneath the surface there? We don't know that. They do. Right. So yeah. we'll leave that for them to to determine. But I, I agree. It's, it's an interesting conversation. That's why I asked it. Um, it's going to be a fun offseason. We're not there yet, yeah. but it's going to be a fun offseason. It's going to be great. I, I'm just I'm a big fan of left-handed bats entering the offseason. That's that's where if you if you go back to my list, you're going to see a lot of left-handed bats. It's going to be a big big opportunity to to buy low on a lot of lefties. Uh, no, like getting people without really thinking about the spray chart. Um, I'm going to take advantage of it. I hope the rest of you do. Uh, it's a good spot to leave it, Robbie. And until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler here on Dingers.